Michael. Michael. What? What do you want? We need to... Why is it so dark? Ah! Mm! Ah! Hey, watch ah! out. That's my Millennium Falcon you're stepping on. Ah, what the hell are... Okay, I just, just got the sensitivity sensors turned on in my feet. What am I stepping on? That's my Legos? Lego... Mo- yeah. Everywhere? Well, I'm I'm busy. This is what this I do. What? We got work to do. This is what I do to relax. Okay, apparently you play with Legos. I got that. But what are you doing now? I'm playing Star Wars Lego. More Legos. Okay, well, at least it's a game. Just come on the show, and if you're good, we'll talk about Lego Star Wars on the show. And I will pretend I didn't just get my feet eviscerated by this. Fine, let me save the game. It's funny, because he's my boss. Enjoy your stay, Cloud City Casino. What have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You truly belong here with us, fun Cloud. Don't get excited! Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. And I'd like to thank you for visiting us at our fabulous podcast, Among the Clouds. We are a part of the Star Wars Report Network, and I am the administrator of this facility and your host, Michael Morris. And joining me uh, in quite a bit of pain from a little bit of uh, Legos there on the feet, Nathan P. Butler. Hey, everybody. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just pulled a minifigure torso out of my heel, but I'll be fine. Yeah, I think stepping on Legos may be like in the top five most painful things of all time. It's like, forget the hot coals to prove your devotion. Step (laughs) on some Legos. Right, right. So, yeah, there is a new Star Wars Lego uh, The Force Awakens game is out. And, of course, we'll be talking about that. Um, But kind of a few other things going on. Ask me what I've been doing lately. What have you been doing lately, Michael? Oh, thank you for asking. How polite of you. So... The, um, you remember the whole, and, and we've talked about this more on the live stream, but how I keep saying, I've got the greatest idea for a Boba Fett movie. And you're like, ah, oh, whatever, man. And I'm like, no, no, it's going to be great. Trust me. You remember that? I remember that. I'm, I'm not sure anybody agreed about the great part, but go ahead. Well, so here's the thing. Um, apparently, even though this has like been said before, I, I've heard this, uh, said in the past, they're like, Samuel L. Jackson said that uh, um, Mace Windu's still alive and that he talked to uh, George Lucas about it and he agreed. So Mace Windu's still alive. Well, that's all silly. Just like, hey, we need Star Wars is hot right now. We need something to talk about. But I commented on a uh, comic book resources article and I was like, yeah, here's the thing. I've never bought that he's dead. That's ridiculous. And, uh, in fact, I think he should be in the Boba Fett movie, and this should be uh, essentially where Boba Fett kind of finds out that he's alive and then tracks him down and goes to kill him, and and you have that confrontation at the end. And I ended up with, like, 166 uh, likes on that comment, like, the last time I heard it, and people were like, man, this comic, or this idea gets me excited as AF or whatever, you know, like, you you can kind of figure out what he was trying to go with there, but... uh, Point being, whole bunch of people on the internet thought I had a good idea. 
Great, great. A whole bunch of people on the internet also think that uh, certain candidates have great appeal. Uh, but you see, and, and it's funny because you had a great experience with apparently the whole Mace Windu uh, rumor thing. And I got to be honest, as soon as I saw that, I thought of you because you're constantly <laughs> making the argument. Um, but being very continuity oriented and whatnot, uh, the conversation, of course, came up on the on the Facebook page for Star Wars Beyond the Films and my Star Wars Timeline Gold. And repeatedly, I was in the position of having to remind people Samuel L. Jackson says Mace is alive. Lucas says Mace is alive. Guess what? None of them matter. Because <laughs> that is true. neither of them have the creative rights to it anymore. Lucas sold them off. His say matters not a whit anymore. Neither does Samuel L. Jackson's. He just portrayed the character. So in a sense, these are two highly, highly respected, highly influential, very visible fans commenting on Disney's franchise at this point, that nothing either of them says matters the moment that Lucas sold off the rights. And when Pablo Hidalgo came out on Twitter and confirmed Mace Windu is dead, that is it. Until or unless Disney slash Lucasfilm slash the story group changes their mind or decides to go a different direction, it doesn't matter what Lucas or Samuel L. Jackson said, he is dead. Now that said, interestingly, it sparked enough discussion that I'm slowly starting to lean your way on the whole, it'd be interesting to see what would happen if he was still alive side. Um, but I, I wonder if that's just a, a knee-jerk reaction to all the the discussion around it this week. Yeah, I think, I don't know, man. I just I see him as just being this grizzled old, uh, just very bitter from the whole thing and just wanting to be left alone. And, uh, you know, like I, I said in the live stream, you, you definitely have to introduce like two young characters as well um that way you have some sort of stake because you can't well you shouldn't some people will be like i can but you know you shouldn't go a whole hog rooting for the bad guy um you're like yeah kill him murder's awesome like you might want to get that checked out you might be a sociopath something, uh, something like that yeah get some get to morit and aeolin well assuming they're still around by that point because one of them's already gone, um, from the Darth Vader series or someone akin to that to give you a, an antagonist. Yeah. And then, you know, past that, you can't... Uh, I mean, obviously, we know how it has to end for, for Mace. So there has to be some sort of stakes. There has to be something that he uh, may be sacrificing himself for. Uh, so I think that bringing in like two young characters that you could really like would make that good too. I pretty much, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, Bob Iger, just give me a call. We'll flesh this out. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. It's going to be huge. Hey, I think Mace is alive, says Samuel L. Jackson. He's a bad mother. Pablo Hidalgo pops up. He's dead. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Mace. Um, so yeah, so it's been it's been an interesting week. Uh, I know you and I were talking about you know, kind of on the more personal level. I've finally pretty much got the Star Wars room slash office done. I'm waiting on a light switch cover to come in, but all the you'll have to see it when you get a chance to finally come down here. It's it's all decked out. The home video shelves are up. The bookshelves are up. The Lego sets are out. My oddball stuff is out. My wife's Yodas and Kylo Rins are out. Posters are up, uh, and now. We've got, gosh, I haven't even counted them. We've got a Yoda Deco Light, R2-D2, BB-8, Kylo Ren, Millennium Falcon, Boba Fett, and both Vader's head and saber. So I guess that's eight Star Wars Deco Lights. 
which if we had paid full price for them all, which we did not, would have been forty bucks a pop. Yeah, those things are um, very expensive. But it's a couple, you know, all like, the rooms yeah. looks just looks so awesome now. <laughs> so I'm just I'm waiting for that. And more to the point, for you and I, uh, it is if we finally get a chance in the near future to actually play some some of the miniature games down here. I was able to find for about thirty bucks at Target. If anyone's looking for these, a couple of these little folding tables that are kind of like the kind of stuff you would set up at, at a company picnic or something. They're meant to be carried around, but they fold out to be about thirty inches wide, about six feet across. Sit two of those together side by side and lay out some X-wing play mats, and you've got an, an area to be able to play really any of the Star Wars miniatures games and have enough room to do it. So uh, two of those was a nice sixty dollars, give or take investment to be able to actually play them on a raised surface as opposed to having to you know clear off a dining room table and stick my custom made one on it or put the custom made one on the floor where it's just inconvenient to play so the star wars stuff on the home front is coming together very well at this point i know that speaking of x-wing there was something to ride for you or that you have now on the home front that i'm still waiting for in the mail hopefully by the time this episode releases and uh, we had a new x-wing product finally arrived didn't we yes and um that's so it's so odd that 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 happens because today of course the day that we're recording on thursday is the actual release date well yours hasn't got here yet and i received mine tuesday alongside my copy of lego the force awakens so I was doing my best to uh, multitask that day. It was really nice. Can hard. I ask you, you, you said you got it early, so where did you order yours from? I was thinking that you got it at a, a game store. No, um, so I wanted to, to go through the game store, but I, I ended up being too late to uh, pre-order there, so I had to go through Amazon. Okay, so yours, they probably just tried to package yours together. Mine's in order through Miniature Market, so there's nothing for them to combine it with, hence probably why I'm still waiting a couple of days. Right, right. So. Gotcha. So how is it? I mean, how I know the idea is it's what it's a tie. What what are the two types of ships that have the alternate paint in this case, and what does the set bring to the game? So what what you have is a tie bomber, and um, you have, it has its own custom paint job. So it's kind of like a uh, you know normally they have a bluish look where it's uh, more grayed out, uh, kind of like Vader's tie, the tie advanced, and then there's some uh, white trim going on with it. Um, as for the other ship, it's the TIE Defender, and that one is painted up red like the Royal Guards, or, or the um, the Royal Guard TIEs, you know, basically that crimson red mm -hmm. look. Um, From the earlier repaint two-pack. Yeah, yeah, so it's going to be very similar to that. Uh, so most people were excited about the TIE Defender, because pretty much it was kind of the worst ship in the game in that it was really expensive for what you got for, for it. Um, it just it wasn't really able to make it work. And then, and then what you needed to put into it to make it a viable ship, by that point you spent so much that you can't put, put anything else really with it, and now you're in trouble uh, for your, you know, you're, you're going to get eaten up. So it's, it's been one of the worst ships in the game, so they've, they've dropped the fix out for it. The question is, is the fix enough? And, and what, what is the fix? So there's, they actually uh, did quite a lot um, from basically giving you a few, few new pilots. There is the, the uh, lowest one is the Glaive uh, Squadron pilot, which is um, it's basically just your, I think it's a point more than the, the, uh, 
the generics, I think it's a, oh, see, I can't remember exactly which one they were initially with the Defender Pack. But so it's uh, it's like a point more, but you get an EPT with it, which is really cool. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, Countess Riad. She's really good. I think she may be my favorite at the moment, possibly. And then you get um, you get uh, Merrick Steele, who, if that sounds familiar, he was actually, uh, we got his card previously in the uh, TIE Advanced pack. So, and, and his ability is exactly the same as it was in the TIE Advanced, which is really good. It actually works really well for the Defender. Cool. So, at just kind of this brings up a broader question just for a quick answer here because you've been... Like I've been collecting these as they went along, getting one of each pack, but I haven't necessarily been playing with all of them, and certainly not playing regularly. It's, it's just not something I've had the opportunity to do. I've played the game a handful of times, but never consistently over a, a period, certainly not enough to really compare early to now. So when you compare early on to now, the cost associated with the ships, the benefits you get out of each of the ships... Uh, the pilot skills and all that, does it feel like so far they've kept things fairly balanced since the initial launch of the game, or as time has gone on, has it gotten more and more imbalanced, as a lot of games often do? So, here's the thing. It's it's kind of um, a slight imbalance that changes the meta, per se. Um, everything is relatively intentional. So, for instance, what they might do is they say, all right, here's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing most of the ships at a tournament level, um, or most of the lists that are being played, are, are this. So what we're going to do is we're going to release in the next pack something that's going to just eat that up. And then that's going to cause people to stop playing that, and then they'll shift to something else, and then that will be the meta. So that's that's usually what it is. One thing will kind of come out sort of strong, um, and then they'll just try to release something else that can eat it up, and then uh, people will stop playing that, and then they'll move to something else. But as a whole, I would say things are, are pretty strong. Unfortunately, there is one list that is really, really, really dominating in the um, the, the tournament scenes right now, and it's uh, pretty much called... Uh, Palps Aces, and it's Emperor Palpatine on a shuttle, and then from there it ends up being usually a combination of uh, uh, Sunterfell that they have his normal things on, and then the uh, Inquisitor and the uh, him and the the prototype prototype Tie Fighter. So it's it's uh, there's a few variations on that, but that's essentially what it comes down to. And like I'm not kidding it probably makes up about 50% of the top lists um, that are being played in tournaments right now. Hmm. Impressive. <gasps> Most impressive. Yes. <laughs> or uh, so, so you have, I know you've been playing a lot of that, so you had a chance to play that like for real once it actually came out. I know that as soon as it came out, you were like, yeah, man, I'm going. I'm going to go play. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know you've also been playing uh, a little bit more on PC again. Um, what are you hitting at this point as, as far as your PC replaying? And I know you've got a little bit of news relating to a, a product we actually talked about as a freebie last episode. What's going on on PC? Right. So um, what I've been doing lately is I just decided to go back in and try to play Force Unleashed because I've actually never beaten the Force Unleashed. Uh, in fact, I've never really gotten that far in it. I stopped. Dude, 
You got to beat it. And not only do you have to beat it, you need to beat it and then circle back to that last mission and beat it the other way because there's two alternate endings at the end depending on which enemy you choose to fight in that last mission. And then there are choices. There's a binary choice to be made at the end of Force Unleashed 2 that can change the path too. Okay. So, yeah. So you got to so play it four, the ends at least four times. Okay. You'll have to set me up with how I need to, to go through and do that. Dude, uh, it's, it's, it's literally a binary choice. It's <laughs> pick this or pick that. Okay. Oh, you pick this. Here's your path. Yeah. It's, it, there's nothing cryptic about it at all. They, okay. they certainly were not leaning in that Jedi Knight, let's head for ambiguity angle. Right. Right. Well, it's, you know, I, I have to honestly take back a lot I've said about it because I pretty much, my joke was a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, the Force Unleashed. Two and I'm like there was no Force Unleashed two. Like we got one game, it was awesome, and then nothing came after that. But um, I so what I've done is I, I had to start all the way over. For I've done something to my computer here. Uh, I think it was when I was shifting a lot of files and stuff around for uh, trying to free up some space and stuff. Because um, I have I have three different hard drives in this computer, so I think I moved one to another. And I, what I'm thinking I did was I essentially moved over the game saves to another, or I thought I moved them to another hard drive when I was moving everything else with it, and may have left some things and then wiped them, thinking that they had been moved over. So all of my progress was gone on it. And where I'd gotten to is right before you rescue Coda. Um, and I was like, yeah, this just kind of feels repetitive. I'm not really digging it. So... Another thing that I didn't really care for because I was playing it on the PC at that time as well. Now, prior to that, I've bought this game so many times. I had picked oh, it up. Yeah. I'd picked it up for the Nintendo Wii because I heard good things about that. I didn't care for it on the Nintendo Wii at all. <laughs> really? Now you're, you're talking about two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh? Because I I picked these up on God. The first one was what Wii, DS, PSP. Uh, PlayStation 3, now Xbox 360, they can be played on Xbox One, and then the, the Ultimate Sith Edition and all that stuff right. um, to play all the different ones. And I picked up all the different versions on on 2. I found it interesting that the, the motion controls were fantastic for the first one on the Wii, even though the game didn't look quite finished. Right. You know, thank you very much, Chrome Studios. <laughs> but the second one felt polished you had the ability to do that crazy thing where you point at you know you activate your force power pick out your enemies with the cursor and just kind of let it go uh i'm surprised that now did you play the force unleashed one on the wii yeah i and I, I picked them both up honestly i think what it really comes down to and and it's not that i'm i'm bashing nintendo or or their stuff i actually have a, a ton of respect for nintendo but i just the, the whole like motion control stuff is just not for me I, I just really? I want to sit down with either a keyboard and a mouse or a controller and play the games that way. I just don't. But two of the two of them, Force Unleashed Two is the one where the motion controls have the least to do with the gameplay. The isn't the vast majority of it standard button pressing, if I remember correctly, for two, except for when you're using that special ability. Uh, well, I think at this point, the Force Unleashed Two is like eight years old, so I don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, yeah. okay. I just, but I mean, the the motion controls were very in, very mm. uh, robust for the first one. Where it was like you know you're smashing your fist down, you're swinging your wrist for the lightsaber and all that kind of stuff. That got very tiring, but was you know well crafted. But it, they they really pared that down for two. So so you're playing it on PC. So you're playing the you know kind of the console level version of it as far as that goes. And you say you're part way through. 
Are you paying attention to the little comics you can unlock? Are you playing the challenge modes to unlock the comics? Because the only way you're going to know mm-hmm. if Starkiller really is a clone or the original is if you read those motion comics that you can unlock as you play because it's never going to be answered in that game. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't know necessarily what you're talking about there, but um, I actually, so I'm, I'm almost done with it by this point because I, with my game being saved, I just started completely over and I plugged in, I have, uh, it's just like a little afterglow Xbox 360, Xbox 360 controller, which the great thing about uh, PC is you plug that in and it's like, oh, hey, I recognize this. Let me go grab a driver for that real quick. Boom. All right, cool. Now your games are going to know. Um, at least a, a good majority of them that they also are on consoles and stuff. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to know that you've got a controller. So, for instance, it will even tell me when I'm playing and it's like, hit the circle button. Like, it'll actually pop up the circle button and so I can mm-hmm. just kind of hit that. Like, So it's basically like playing on a console. And I blew through that game, uh, I believe it was last Sunday, to the point where... I am now at the second level, and it may have been a while since you played it, so you may not know uh, quite so much, but I am at the second jump for moving um, merry-go-round thing of Doom to the next one, if, if you know what I mean. Merry-go-round thing of Doom. That's, yeah. yeah, that's been a while. I'm so trying to think of what... I sort of I can sort of visualize what you're mm-hmm. talking about, but... But yeah, so you're. It's sort of the platformer type uh, section of the game right there toward the end. Because I was, I was looking up the mm-hmm. levels on. Uh, oh, I, I know what you're line. talking yeah, about. Yeah, so oh, you got to jump yes. from one platform to the next as it spins around and you're like really yeah, high. Like up. The, it's like the clone chamber or yeah, something with all right. the. Yeah, that looks like something. Somebody took the, the Kaminoans architecture and just pumped it full of some heroin or something. <laughs> that's, yes, yes. That sounds uh, exactly where I am in the game. Uh, but you know, it's, I, I've really enjoyed it and I'm, so here's the one thing I have been having, I've been having a little bit of issues with the actual, um, there was some, uh, stuttering going on with it. And essentially what you have to do is to get the stuttering to stop, you have to change a few settings and then in which case you get what's called screen tearing. So, um, that's not great, but it's, it's not. It's also not like the worst thing in the world either. It's much better than the the stuttering of the cinematics. Ladies, so. ladies and gentlemen, reason why I don't play on PC. <laughs> well, I mean, but if I'm not mistaken, there was some issues with the console versions too. Like I I know that a lot of people. I mean, this game got kind of ripped apart when it came yeah. out. But it was mainly be- it mainly got ripped apart because of its length, though, and the fact that it didn't have a a true ending. I mean, it leaves things uh-huh. hanging, waiting for a third game or book or something to wrap it up. And right. not only did we not get a game that wrapped it up, we never got another story to wrap it up. And now that Legends is kind of off to the side and barely growing through things like the Old Republic, now we probably will never get an answer of how does that ending uh, resolve itself? And does this Star Killer ever figure out whether he's a clone or the original? Or is it just, well, a character who shows up at the end of the game, depending on your choices, that has any clue? Well, so, yeah. You know what? We will get a sequel to. Yes, the thing that sh- that that <laughs> wasn't meant to exist and got turned into portable games, and now fans have sort of brought it back. Essentially, um, well, it's not long- fans actually. 
Really? So, oh, well, that's yeah, true. It was the, it's part of the team. So mm-hmm. we talked about this last time. You're talking Battlefront 3, well, like well, actual we talk, Battlefront 3. So we we actually, we didn't talk about it on here. I know because we do uh, the live stream a lot. So sometimes it, it all confused. blends together. Right, right. So we talked about this on the last live stream, but Frontwire Studios has, pretty much said like, essentially they were developing Battlefront 3 and what ended up happening was there was a fallout between them and Lucas Arts, and they just decided to go ahead and just keep on working on that game anyways, or at least pick it up later. Uh, and so a lot of people were kind of like, um, "I think you're gonna have some problems doing this because you know you don't exactly own the Star Wars name." And they're like, "Yeah, but we're gonna try anyways." And so they're like, well, "We're gonna try through Steam." And everyone's like, yeah, Steam's not going to do that. And then Steam's like, yeah, actually we will. (laughs) So the president of the company, uh, Tony Romanelli, I believe. I'm probably butchering that last name, but I doubt he listens to the podcast, so he's probably not going to get his feelings hurt. Um, He's the president of Frontwire Studios, and he's pretty much said, yeah, Steam has gave us the go-ahead, and we are going to release this game for free on, on Steam. And basically, I think what they're kind of doing is just hoping that, hey, we're not asking for any money. We're releasing it on Steam. And, you know, if you if Disney slash Lucasfilm wants to get mad or try to pull it down or whatever, we'll deal with that when it comes. But you can read that entire letter over at FrontlineStudios.com. Um, and actually the one thing I do want to, uh, bring out, it's not a big deal, but just in case, uh, to look for it in the future, especially in the steam library or, um, or I guess the, the downloadable games is that it's now being titled star Wars galaxy and turmoil or not star Wars galaxy and turmoil, uh, just galaxy and turmoil with front where you would normally see star Wars in the logo. It says front wire. So it's just galaxy and turmoil now. So they're not using the star Wars name. Right. Um, at least as far as that goes, I mean, I think they're still, they're like it's Star Wars, uh, Galaxy and Turmoil, <laughs> but they, but yeah, I'm not seeing like I'm actually seeing it. Um, I'm, I'm wondering. Well, if like the page in, said, the page mm-hmm. says when you're searching for it, it's all games, then free to play games, then Galaxy and Turmoil. So are you in and Steam right now? I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the screenshot the, they used yeah, for, for the, the, uh, the actual announcement. Page. Right, right. Uh, and it says, you know, Frontwire Studios is working around the clock to develop, there we go, develop <laughs> a modern adaptation and expansion of the canceled Battlefront 3 galaxy in turmoil so even when they say battlefront 3 they don't say star wars but everybody knows what it is and they acknowledge of course in the 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 press release type thing that hey you know we don't own the star wars stuff as much as we'd like we don't own the star wars name and whatnot and how they're 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 understandable of the people who say that you know aren't they going to get a cease and desist from disney that they had some concerns themselves but that valve apparently that's behind steam doesn't have the concern um i don't know i've to have this coming, and I think this was the comparison that I may have made on the live stream when we did it, but to have this hitting, and so far, no cease and desist from Disney, nothing from EA, and to be honest, if it was one or the other, I would bet you'd be EA, not Disney, because they're the ones who had the video game rights at this point. Um, but to have this happening now, 
and all parties who could quash it basically being silent at the same time that Paramount is like, and CBS are, here are the guidelines for Star Trek <laughs> right. fan films. Basically, you can't make Star Trek fan films. Um, I think it's, it's a very clear distinction in the way that Lucasfilm, even under Disney, uh, deals with fans and fan groups compared to many other major franchises dealing with fan groups. Right. If they let this stand, it'll be precedent-setting. But at the same time, I wonder about the legal precedent of it. Like, are they if they do this... Are they putting themselves on the line someday if there's something else that's like a canceled project that somebody decides to revive, like, say, 1313? Um, <laughs> you know, that they're going to just – they will have dug themselves a hole here by setting this precedent and have less standing to be able to argue in court, hey, we got to protect our copyright because the immediate response will be, yeah, but you didn't hear, so what's the deal? Well, so here, interesting that you say that because that is essentially – what goes on with the 501st because we have to get that armor somewhere right so we are supplied that armor through uh vendors who are actually in within the 501st itself um there i mean there, there's never been up until a novos essentially there's not really been any sort of way to actually get uh, official armor. In fact, the only thing that did exist was rubies, which was lower quality than what uh, you know the the actual armor that we wear. Like you're not even allowed to wear that. When Disney bought Lucasfilm, the 501st was, or at least uh, a lot of members that I'm aware of, were really concerned, thinking, "All right, this is about to get bad," because we're they're pretty much going to put a cease and desist and, and tell us, you know, hey, you can't make that armor anymore. Um, however, what ended up happening, and I'm not sure who it was that sent this email, uh, but they pretty much just sent like a really nice letter that essentially said, hey, that thing you're doing, we like it. Just keep it up. Do it the way you're doing it. Because, of course, there's, uh, there's standards in which uh, we do things so that it's not like super open, like, hey, come buy the armor. It is like XX price, you know, you can get it here. We've set up an eBay page, like that type of thing. It's like, no, you got to go through the, the actual channels within the 501st to do it, you know? So there's like, you just keep doing that thing and we're all good. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that Disney slash Lucasfilm very well uh, could be doing the same thing here. In fact, I think that if they were going to do anything, I think it would have been, it would have happened already. I think that they're violating. I think the 501st is violating the fourth commandment. If the fan production uses commercially available, oh wait, Star Trek. <laughs> they must be official merchandise and not bootleg items or imitations of such commercially available products. But yeah. Again, that Star Trek. So let's um, yeah. Anyway, so that's I know that's all, that's kind of an, an, a non-issue for Star Wars, but it's I think the distinction is pronounced and just makes this situation with galaxy and turmoil all the more interesting from sort of a, a broader sci-fi genre perspective yeah and so here i mean here's the thing because I, I actually really want to talk about this uh the, the whole paramount thing because there's i mean i've actually seen um hell i'll just go ahead and say it uh there was a discussion about it that mark from beyond the films brought up and there were people that we know, like our friends who were saying like, oh, this is not that bad. Like they knew this. And I'm like, no, guys, like 
you need to actually read what's being said because not only are the restrictions that Paramount are, is putting on them, not only are they really bad and really tight, most of them aren't even actually legal. Because yeah, a good number of them aren't, yeah. Yeah, because parody laws. A lot of the things that they're saying, you cannot do this. Uh, yeah, I can legally well, because problem, parody see, laws. But here's the problem, though. Mm-hmm. Parody laws and fair use laws generally mm-hmm. deal with things that are review purposes, they are um, uh, like educational purposes, or they are parody slash spoof pur- purposes. And most fan films that are really big name in the Star Trek fan community are not parodies. They are presented as serious Trek stories, right? And, and which don't fall under that protection anymore. Like if I want to make a parody of Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, Star Wars, the Force hits news or something, and I do some kind of goofy thing, that's fine. If I try to write a, a serious Star Wars fanfic or if I try to take one of my audio dramas that I did in the past that's a fan production and try to sell that, I'm in violation. If I try to right. sell the parody, it's it's iffy, but usually you'll be okay. It's It's not parody protections in most of those cases, but a lot of them are pushing that whole fair use in any like they're using them as as one size fits all not if your fan production is like this mm-hmm. these are your rules if it's like this these are your other rules like they're the same rules in this case are applying to like fan made documentaries right but as he, would to parodies or to serious exactly. stories which and, is and here's what i'm saying so so yes yeah you're, you're totally right in that as far as like someone who who's doing some of those things but what i'm saying is the regulations they have set forth are not, uh, you know, aren't um, enforceable. Um, In fact, they... Now, here's an example within uh, Star Wars. Do you remember when... uh, This has been a few years now, but they went through and they had all sorts of people from all over just doing like little bitty snippets of of A New Hope and they put it all together and so you pretty much watch A New Hope made by tons of different fans and it would just cut to each one. That is not allowed, you know, air quotes, by Paramount. Though you could, though the argument would be, what the legal argument of that being okay would be that that is essentially parody style. Right, but here's the thing with that. They're saying, they're ignoring that, and they're like, no, you can't do that. Um, yes, I can, that's called parody. But here's the problem. What they do, like, let's say me and you put this together. Nothing stops them from saying... Okay, Mr. Morris, Mr. Butler, you are now being sued. Because you can sue anyone for anything. Oh, yeah. There's no decision made about whether it was legit or not until you're actually in court, and half the time it's settled before then anyway. Right. And that is exactly what they would be doing, is strong-arming us into saying, look, uh, we've got a couple of uh, government workers here who aren't making top dollar. Uh, We're just going to have them basically just about us because they know they can't afford to fight us we're paramount we have a team of lawyers good luck with your public defender chump and and essentially thinking we're going to back down even though we're legally within our right we can't afford to fight them and that is something i have a huge issue with i think the the broader picture here the thing that to me is the the most concerning i think that is a concern but i think that's the case when you run up against any corporation true when you make any fan production 
you're running the risk of running into the corporation. You're just hoping they're more like Lucasfilm and more benevolent than what Paramount's doing. Here. Yeah, true. But like I said, now, that's rather they've actually went out ahead of time and saying you can't do this, even though um, it's not. You know, it's basically like, hey, you can't vote, and it's like, yes, I can. You don't have a say so over that. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's the oh, yeah. thing that, that that bothers me. It's not uh, a situation that occurred after the fact. Like, say, you and I, uh, if we made the film and then after the fact they were fighting it or whatever, it's it's a situation of they're saying, uh-uh, better not. That's what bothers me. They're, yeah, they're, they're trying to be proactive. They're trying to be preventative, essentially. But I don't think this is about, honestly, I don't think it's about new films at all. I don't think it's about new fan films at all. I think it's about existing ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two things that pop to my mind, and this is me being the, the government-slash-social studies teacher, uh, Bills of Attainder and chilling effect. Uh, Bill of Attainder is when you essentially, you try to make a law specifically targeting an individual or a specific situation that is so narrow that it's obvious that this isn't about the broader issue to apply to society as a whole. You're going after someone or some group or whatever. This kind of feels like that uh, because they're going after, it seems, things like Axonar, uh, hidden, vo- or, you know, whatever they are. I, I don't know the names of all the major Trek fan productions. I've seen a couple of them. But they're going after those groups specifically because here are restrictions that basically say, see what you're doing? Screw you. No. And they're, they're like, they can't be more than two segments. They can't be more than half an hour in length. Well, most of these big fan productions are series. You can't involve anybody who's ever been professionally involved with Trek. That knocks out several other ones, and so on, and so on, and so on. Um, But it seems much less about new fan productions as here are the ones that have been producing series for a while that, to be honest, have been higher quality than much of recent Trek on TV that may be competitors in their eyes, even though that's idiotic to think of a fan production as a competitor for something official, like someone who loves something enough to watch a fan production isn't going to see the freaking TV show. Um, (laughs) But it could be... A competitor for this new thing they're going to be putting on CBS All Access, therefore we must come in and crush them. But they're doing it in such a way that they're not doing like what they were doing with Axonar, which was to come in and file a suit and try to crush them in court, as you were saying, trying to use their their huge financial might and their legal resources to crush whatever it is. Um, they're doing instead – I made this analogy uh, on Facebook and I think in one of the streams. They are essentially doing what – Republican legislators or, or conservative legislator legislatures in different states have been trying to do on the issue of abortion. You can't utterly outlaw abortion. Why Roe v. Wade? Until that decision is overturned by the Supreme Court, abortion is legal. So what do you do? You come in and you set all kinds of guidelines that are very narrowly construed about, you know, do you have to have admitting privileges at a hospital? Do you have to have this or this or this? To the point where you narrow down and push out of business all these places that were offering abortion services to the point where there's maybe one in your entire state or there's not one in your state at all and you have to go to the next state over. You think that's an exaggeration. That is actually true. There are states with one or no abortion clinics because of this. And while I don't agree with abortion, this is an, an, a, kind of a, a, an odd way to go around and use the legal regulation system to essentially take something that the Supreme Court has said is a right and curtail it. If it was for anything else, people would be up in arms. 
you're seeing it now, kind of the dividing line between right and left, because one side's up in arms, the other side's like, yeah, let's go for it. Well, here you are with Paramount saying, well, or CBS and Paramount saying, well, we're not going to just crush the fan films. We're not going to tell them they can't do that because there would be a huge backlash. Instead, we're going to put all these restrictions on them and narrow it down to the point where a bunch of these groups are saying they're not going to produce anymore. Some of them are saying, you know, we're worried about it, so we're going on hiatus, and the hiatus may never wind up being lifted. Um, and just kind of having this chilling effect to the point where, without having to ban Trek fan films, they are effectively banning Trek fan films. Just like without having to ban abortion, you can have regulations that effectively ban abortion in a given state. Um, conceptually, it's legal. I'm not sure that I would consider it ethical. And it certainly is – and I don't know. I, there's a part of me that says, you know, um, try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But I look at this situation and the specificity of some of these regulations in relation to some of these productions that are out there, and I can't see how this is not targeted. Chilling by accident because you've made regulations that make things difficult, okay. Chilling on purpose because you can't just outright crush something, there's something wrong with that. If not ethically, then at least in terms of the perception. Paramount has managed to basically come out and say, hey, fans, eat sh And so unsurprisingly, the fans have seen through it and are realizing, hey, hey, hey this isn't a sloppy Joe. Yeah, and... Uh... <laughs> It's just, he's like picturing the sloppy Joe, like oh god, oh god. No, I was I was making a uh, editorial note. Um, <laughs> he, he was gotta cut out his use of that s word. <laughs> gotta uh, bleep something. Make, you know what? If you're gonna bleep it, please, please make it a Star Trek sound effect. Yeah, so, just just for the sheer of yeah, it all. a little uh, little phaser noise or whatever those weirdos are into. Badge so, or something. Yeah, but now here's the thing. Uh, at uh, Celebration Europe, July fifteenth uh, is when the announcers are going. Or, I'm sorry, the announcements uh, will be for the winners of the Star Wars fan film. So you know, like through uh, Lucasfilm, uh, Star Wars, Disney. You know those guys. That's although they they to be fair, at least, and I haven't paid attention to the Star Wars fan film awards for a while, but at least early on, you couldn't do a serious story for those either. It had to be within parody documentary kind of strictures. Mm, I've, I, I mean, think I, now you can, but I know at least initially that was not allowed. They were concerned about the legalities of it at the time. So maybe it's just that Star Wars is, was just yeah. way ahead of the curve with this. Maybe at some point right. Star Trek will reach that point. It's just that Trek is, is jumping into the let's deal with fan films thing after the explosion has already happened and they're everywhere as opposed to Star Wars kind of saying, oh, let's get our toe in here before things get too out of control. Yeah, yeah. I know I know that the serious fan films have been around for a, a while. Now, initially that may have been the case. There may have been more restrictions. I know George Lucas was, you know, to start with, he's like, what is this internet thing? And then he's like, oh, it's kind of cool. I like it, you know? And like he was a little, to start with, he was like, hey, what, what the crap? And then he... uh uh, you know, really got into things and, and sort of started these and everything. And there's been all sorts of uh, different films that have come out. I just wanted, I just wanted to really uh, juxtapose the two for things that are happening this close together. I just think it's really weird that the ceremony is going to be taking place here in a few days, as opposed to uh, the announcement coming out of Paramount just recently being like, mm -hmm. I, I want to see 
some of the Star Wars winners or people in the crowd, maybe if they're holding up their lightsabers or whatever, to be wearing fake Vulcan ears or something. <laughs> Homemade fake right. Vulcan ears. So I wonder if they put, if they titled it Star Wars and they essentially did a Star Trek. For, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Star Wars, the Enterprise Strikes yeah. Back. So, sorry. I know. So we're, 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 we're kind of far afield yeah, here. Yeah, we used one, to. I thought, a, I thought when Bruce got frozen in Carbonite that all the Star Trek uh, talk would stop. But no, I, <laughs> hey, I was a Trekkie for a while. It's just, or a Trek. When I was a Trekkie, it was back when Trekker was what you wanted to be called. And apparently now that's not what it is anymore. But, oh, really? But I, I, I didn't know that was an Trek thing. I am stoked. I, I was not. They, they they finally announced that the uh, the timeline of the new films, the new Trek films, is called the Kelvin timeline. And in the announcement, there's also a mention that Michael and Denise Okuda are putting out a new edition of the Star Trek encyclopedia. And I'm not sure which I was more excited by. I immediately pre-ordered that encyclopedia. It was the Star Trek chronology by them that got me inspired to do the Star Wars timeline goal in the first place. So I, I got a lot of Trek heritage in me. It's just that I'm not actively hugely into Trek fandom at this point. But yeah, you, you will not escape the Trek, my friend. When relevant things happen with Trek, I'm here. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> thought I was out of that one, but anyhow, so um, not really moving on to anything lighter. Uh, it's recently been sort of just popped up. And it came through um, Infiniteer Adventures was the one who revealed this. And um, I, it's one of those things that I'm like, why, why would you do this? Like, why would you show me this? But you remember how Disney Infinity came out and they're like, hey, we're doing Rebels characters. And we're like, sweet, where's, uh, where's Hera? And then we just kind of kept hoping, like, okay, well, maybe they'll do Hera later. Maybe they'll do Hera later. And then they're like, nope, we're closing the doors. Bye. Well, now we are seeing the art of, uh, like, where they actually had a, a Hera figure coming. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this thing and- is painted and complete, and, like, there was four different images, or no, I'm sorry, three different images of the the base, and it's just like, really? Like- they're showing, oh, they're, they're showing, like, Spider-Gwen or whatever they call her from Marvel. I mean, right. I think... Now that the now that it's ending, of course we're going to see some of the things that that could have been or would have been. It's just that uh, a lot of fans argue that the Hera was not just a could have or would have been, but a should have been. Right. Um, given you know, that everybody else in the crew except for Chopper was out there, why not Hera? But I think that was because they had what five stores they were doing those exclusive releases through rather than six. So right. Here's although. I'd have to go back and look. I want to say that there was one more exclusive location for the light effects figures than there were for Rebels, which may have offered the Hera opportunity. But I actually like this. I think showing us what could have been, it does hurt a little. Right. But I think it's cool to see where they were thinking about going with it because to me it suggests that that for the creative team, this was as much of a surprise as it was really for anybody else when Disney decided to close down the studio and end Disney Infinity, that they really were going full force, that this wasn't that we were given the impression there was more Star Wars stuff coming, but really the creative team didn't intend it. Well, yes, they did. It's just they didn't get the opportunity. That, that to me, is a more positive note than, than if it's just like, yeah, we weren't going to do anything anyway. Right. I mean, I guess. I just, I want it now, and I can't have it. That's, that's how I... 3D printing, my friend. 3D printing's not going to make her a playable character in the game but i mean (laughs) i mean it's it's cool i guess i I could do it that way and have that that model there i'm uh, 
that's definitely interesting. That's actually something I have the means to now. Uh, yeah, that's right. Remember how I always say that uh, Georgia Garrison is best Garrison? So it's uh, 501st <laughs> Buddies with uh, some sweet 3D printers and 3D printer knowledge. But uh, I digress. <laughs> now, it, I guess the last topic, speaking of digressions, I mean, we're we're getting up there on time, and we want to focus on Lego as our primary discussion true, yeah. here, I know. Um, uh, the last thing that we had on the list to make sure we also mentioned was anything relating to uh, the Bespin DLC as far as an update on that. Uh, I know that for me, I'm at level 65. Okay. Don't ha- don't have the credits to buy the the wing guard because I've been spending it on hut contracts. I've got six out of the eight hut contracts done. One still to buy. One is almost done. Um, they've finally done some updates to. They made it so that heroes versus villains on the outer rim DLC is now up to five wins again instead of three. So they've upped that. Whereas there used to be a disparity. The regular was five. That one was three. They have fixed some crash issues and whatnot, and they've made it so that, uh, let's see, so every two matches are sabotaged, the new modes. So it's sabotage, sabotage, one match of something else, back to sabotage, sabotage, one match of something else. So they've increased that frequency to basically a two-thirds of the time it's going to be sabotage. And then they've also gone in, and they were noticing that the carbon freezing chamber was barely showing up. Like, I did tons of streaming yeah. the first couple days the game I, was out still and played it like twice. Yeah, I now still haven't played it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now it's in regular rotation. Okay. So, so I, I you, need to check that I, one In out. fact, I played probably most of my matches um, a couple nights ago on. Mm-hmm. And you said that's your favorite chamber. one, correct? Yeah, because it's the one that mm-hmm. looks different. It's the one that's inside. It's not always the same architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's. It's just aesthetically different enough to feel because di- the other ones all kind of feel like same map, different time of day, even though not real. Like one's got all the pits you can fall in. One's actually kind of on the ground. One's a smaller map. One's a larger map. But the the, the architecture, the aesthetics all feel very similar to me. No, I, and, I do agree with you with one exception, which is my favorite map. Palace? The yes, yes, that That's one is to me. OK, so. The biggest reason that that one is my favorite is it is the most reminiscent of Bespin from the uh, uh, Battlefront 2 game. I mean, it's to me, like, granted, yes, it's not the same exactly, but the whole, like, narrow uh, sort of sky bridge-like thing going on, um, you know, sort of the the narrow hallways that connect from, uh, like, a little building to building, uh, you being higher up, like, that is what... Uh, what that one's all about and I love it because I'm like yes this yeah. is Battlefront it's it's a pretty awesome map I think that the the thing that I like predominantly about the carbon freezing chamber aside from the fact that it's aesthetically so different is that it it really kind of pushes battles into a frantic pace at different points like there'll be points in sabotage in the other maps because they're a little bit larger they're a little less confined that you might have one thing to arm that's just sitting there the entire match, and until the other two are destroyed, nobody really even bothers with it. Whereas within the carbon freezing chamber, it seems like they've always got activity around each. And because it's all indoors, and there really aren't a lot of shortcuts to get where you're trying to go, that final battle over the extraction point gets really, really crazy sometimes. Whereas... In the case, and it's, since it's a smaller map, also you also if you die and respawn, you're not nearly as far away usually from your target than you would be on Administrator's Palace or Cloud City. So, t- 
to me, it's a favorite. But yeah, I'd definitely say that Administrator's Palace is number two on my list. And especially since you have the ability to enter some of those buildings from the roof, which completely changes the way you have to think about certain firefights. Right. Right. Um, now, besides that, also, I've had a chance to actually play Dengar and Lando. Uh, oh, me too. Then. Me too. What do yeah. you think? So, I, dude, I, I hate to say it. I really hate to say it, but I'm not getting the hang of Lando. I probably need to. Unfortunately, he's kind of hard to get because you have to race to him really quickly um, since uh, the actual uh, hut contract requires you to get, I think it's like 20 kills with him or something like mm -hmm. that. So, everybody's trying to do that right now so it's I'm just i'm saying do that in heroes versus villains and just be very quick on tapping the button right right and that's what i'm doing but sometimes um i'm just not quite quick enough uh ah. so I've, I've not got to play with him more than you know probably less than five times i would say and i'm just like i'm not a hundred percent on trying to get the the controls worked out and figure out exactly what i'm doing and everything so it's not i just i don't know i i, I need to kind of and I need a little bit longer with him. It's just not working for me right now, and I hate that. Like, I really wanted him to be uh, really good, and, and that I could just go, sweet, I'm landing. You wanted him to be Nine Numb, basically. Yeah, essentially. Like, nine Numb's very versatile. And right. I would, say, I would say Lando, he's an acquired taste, I think. You, mm -hmm. the, the ability to use the Night Sniper that basically makes everything sort of bluish and, in his case, makes living beings yellow as opposed to white, if you actually use the gun from the hut contract, which is the same gun, um, makes for, it, it's, it can be jarring. You gotta kinda get used to jumping in and out of that view when you're aiming down sights so it's not throwing you off. Um, his ability to drop a fake power-up that can be used as a trap is all right, but I haven't found it crazy useful. Uh, and his lucky shot has worked out well enough, I've found, usually. Um, but I don't know, he doesn't feel like Anything that he does is really, really stand out like some of the abilities, for instance, for, you know, maybe a Luke or a Nine Numb. He feels like his abilities are, they're more subdued in, in what you're doing. With them. And maybe it's just, you know, maybe that's just me. Oh, and he's got the ability to do the, uh, what do you call it? The, oh gosh, it's like, it's like an interference thing. Like oh, you, yes. Yeah. Where you, you throw out the trap. Disruptor. Yeah. No, Disruptor. Oh, okay. Where, where he can do, like, you have an, a Disruptor card. Uh -huh. You hit the Disruptor card. It's kind of like that where it basically blasts everybody. And I guess that's probably part of my issue with them is that setting the traps is okay. Lucky Shot really just makes your weapon more powerful briefly, possibly. Um, but then the other stuff that he does that makes him special, like the aim down sights and everything looks like night vision or heat vision, and his whole thing with the disruption... Those are things that you could do with regular characters. He doesn't feel particularly unique, whereas, and that was kind of the thing with Nine Numb, it's just that he has a unique skill set that allows him to work really well at range, whereas Lando, you really got to kind of be up on him to really use that Night Sniper, which is interesting because it's called a Night Sniper. Right, right. And it's not really all that great for long range. Yeah, and it's honestly, the um, the aiming down the sights is, is actually kind of disorienting for me i'm i'm not a mm -hmm. big fan of it so yeah, it was for me especially when i was first trying it out yeah so I, I may just need a little bit more time with him and and i'll turn on it or I'll, I'll change on it i will say um which i know they've they've done some some changes with luke and i played luke for the first time in a while because mm -hmm. uh, i was like well crap I, did, I can't get him and i think someone else chose nine i'm like well, i don't know i guess i need to probably play luke uh ended up losing that match but uh with luke 
how how many kills do you think I got? Like keeping in mind we lost that match. Uh six. <laughs> More like thirty-two. Holy crap. And we lost. And you lost. Well, I mean, they've they have they've beefed him up a little bit. And th- that's one of the things where they're playing with balance. And you can notice it more. Like they really uh, toned down Boba Fett at one point, And now they've beefed him up again because they toned him down too far. They're always striving for that balance. Um, Dengar, I guess, is the other one that you mentioned. I find it. I, I like heavy blasters. So just right. playing as Dengar just regularly, I like because of the heavy blasters. I find that his um, super heavy, where you can use the triangle button to activate basically an even more rapid fire. I mean, yeah. it's like a buzzsaw, yeah, you but just, it's really hard yeah. to control. Well, you you pretty much just um, you just swing it right and left is all yeah, you need just, to just do with that. Yeah, just spray and pray. Because it's, if you notice that once you activate that, you can't jump or anything. Like You're pretty mm-hmm. much a mounted turret at that at that point. It's, like, it's a damn minigun! Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have his ability to run up and smack somebody with his rifle, which I have yet to land correctly on anybody. Oh, you've got um, to, you've got to combine that with his other ability. And that, yeah, the other ability is nice, where you run through and you're basically just tossing bombs. And the way they describe it is you run through tossing explosives onto every enemy you pass, and that doesn't seem to be what's actually happening. It seems like you're running through, and at a certain point, he just kind of throws a bunch of them, and if they stick to something, great, and if they don't, Oh, well, because a lot of mine are ending up on walls. So it's not exactly right. as advertised. Right, but it, it still seems to be pretty much in that vicinity. And um, the, like it seems like they activate m- uh, much quicker than, than someone would have mm-hmm. the ability to run away from. So, so they oh, yeah. do damage. Um, you know, it's nice to kind of give a, a little bit of a burst of damage uh, to a group. And then especially, like I said, when you have the, the cool thing, too, with that rifle, if you notice, it, it, you also have a lot more range um, with oh, yeah. your melee than, than say, the... Um, uh, a standard melee attack. Now, granted, it's slower. It's definitely yeah, a lot of lot of wind yeah. up to that one. So I'm I'm thinking like, they should probably try and and uh, work those two abilities a little bit more. Uh, maybe try and get some of the kinks out with them. But honestly, uh, I think he's he's kind of my favorite uh, villain at least right now. Yeah, me too. I think he's definitely my favorite of the villains. Um, Possibly my favorite among the heroes, though Nine Numb is hard to beat for me right now. Right. And I, I love the fact that with Din, like when I'm using Dengar, it's rarely here's a group of enemies. I'm going to charge them and toss the the explosives on them. Usually it's I'm surrounded. Screw you all! <laughs> right. You know, and I'm death blossoming as I run like that, hell. That's also uh, very viable. I mean, I mean, and I've said before, Dengar was in in uh, uh, Legends at least. He was a little bit of a pansy. I felt like. I, well, I, I always liked the fact that Dengar was the bounty hunter that did that wasn't really a bad guy. Like there were points at which you know you realize that this actually is you know his job, and while he's cruel at times when he's doing it, I mean we saw sort of his heart and everything with Man. I think it was, was her name, Manaru. Manaru, mm-hmm. and all of those things, and how he helped Boba and all that. I think that uh, I mean Dengar as a character grew on me in a very positive way, thanks to Legends. I'm curious to see where they go with them um, within canon beyond what we saw just in that brief bit in the Marvel series. So not a lot of new stuff except for some balance tweaks for Battlefront, but we've been playing more of that. We've been doing more live streaming and whatnot uh, of that. But speaking of live streaming, my big live streaming kicked off a couple days ago because I have been, I'm now done with my third live stream of a Let's Play of our main topic, now that we're like almost an hour into it, (laughs) which is... Lego Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Right. And it is 
awesome. And I, I can't believe we're saying that about a Lego Star Wars game because after a while they felt so – they always felt the same. They always felt the same. And this one, I, it's, it's really been an enjoyable experience so far. I'm at the point where – not shouldn't be doing any – You know, it's not like we have any spoilers because the main bulk of the story is – the Force Awakens, although you start on Indoor during the Battle of Indoor, which yes, is a little bit do. odd, um, mm-hmm. as a prologue. But I'll say I'm at the point where we've just escaped from the Aravana aboard the Millennium Falcon after the Rathtar confrontation and uh, whatnot. So I'm you know, maybe a th- chapter four-ish, five-ish. Right. I suppose. I don't know. I'm behind you. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm at the part where you uh, escape the finalizer. So you're a little bit ahead of uh, ahead of myself. So. So from a product perspective, um, there were different ways that you could purchase this game. Uh, it's available on pretty much all the systems at this point, all the current systems uh, and actually last gen as well. So, yes. Yeah, so they put out a PlayStation Vita version and that's, in theory, according to Sony, pretty much a dead system at this point. So um, they've got quite a few uh, different platforms that it's available for. You have a regular edition. You have a deluxe edition for those higher-end consoles. Um, and when it comes to what you get inside of it, basically the the deluxe edition, you're going to get in the plastic wrap. And the plastic wrap will tell you a little bit about what's inside it. Uh, one of the things that's announced on the plastic wrap that is not actually available entirely yet is some PlayStation exclusive stuff. So if you buy this on a PlayStation system, you're going to have access to the level pack called the Phantom Limb based on, you know, C-3PO's red arm and presumably somewhat tied into the comic of the same name. Uh, that's actually not going to be available until August 9th. And it's a timed exclusive for PlayStation owners up until November 17th. And then you do have the droid character pack. We'll talk about the character packs in a second. uh, That is currently already available for PlayStation uh, buyers. Although you have to make sure you go to related items and find it and download it separately. It's not something that your codes actually download automatically. Uh, That's going to be a PlayStation exclusive until September 26th. It'll also tell you on there, hey... You have a Finn minifigure if you bought the physical copy and a mini poster and you because you've pre-ordered this, you've also got an Empire Strikes Back character pack. And again, something we can get into. You open that sucker up, you got a box with a lenticular cover. You pull the lenticular cover off, there's a regular cover underneath. That's the supposed mini poster. Uh, you open up the box, you've got Finn in there, but it's not like Finn sitting there in a little window like on a Lego Star Wars book or... Uh, Lego Star Wars home video release. Instead, he's in a little baggie stuffed inside the package, just like you would get with you know one of those little mini uh, figure packs or whatever, like a Target or something. And then you get the game itself. And when you open up the game's package, aside from having the disc that the game itself is on, you'll have an instruction booklet that tells you, among other things, hey, you can get a couple of cheat codes if you go and fill out this Lego survey uh, or this survey about the game on this website. The cheat codes, by the way, are... P8KXSA to unlock 9num and as an X-wing pilot and VVVSEA for R2Q5 just saved you having to take the survey. Um now is that's the only way you can play as those characters? I that I don't know. I haven't run into mm-hmm. a place to be able to unlock them, but at least it unlocks them early if anything. Okay. Um and then you've got Uh, If you pre-ordered it, you'll then have the card that's going to give you access via a code to redeem with your console store for the Empire Strikes Back character pack. 
And then if it's the del- deluxe edition, then you've got your card in there for the season pass. Uh, yes, there's a season pass with this game, but no, it's not 50 freaking dollars like it is for Battlefront. Though I don't know that we've seen an actual price tag for a standalone season pass. Um, but you've got the season pass in there, and redeeming the season pass gives you the Jedi character pack immediately, which apparently is like the first thing in it. So when I say character packs, understand that if you have the three character packs currently available, Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, and Droid, which means season pass, pre-ordered, and PlayStation, the total number of characters in the game right now is 200 and two, um, which is insane. Yeah, that's a lot. Each character pack has eight in it. So as I flip through here, uh, for the Empire Strikes Back one, you get Boba Fett in that prototype white armor. You get Bosk. You get Dengar. You get Han Solo in Hoth attire. Lobot. You get Luke Skywalker in Hoth attire. You get Princess Leia in Hoth attire. And you get an Ugnaught. The Jedi pack, which again is a season pass thing, Gives you Ayla Secura, Kiati Mundi, Kit Fisto, Luminara Unduli, Mace Windu, who is dead, Plo Koon, Saisi <laughs> uh, Tin, and Shakti. And then the droid character pack, which again, you have to unlock or you have to download separately. It will not be part of the codes that you enter. But if you go in, say, the PlayStation 4, you go to related items, you'll see it listed as a price of free. Um, for that one, you get the Battle Droid Commander, the Commando Droid. ME-809, which is from Maz Kanata's uh, palace, or her uh, whatever. General Grievous, IG-88, R5-D4, W-1-L-E, right, Wally, and a super battle droid. So just from the character packs, you've already, <laughs> you've already got 24 characters. Uh, and you also have ships that get unlocked within the game, and the uh, Empire Strikes Back pack comes with Slave 1, the Jedi pack comes with the uh, Jedi Interceptor that, of course, is in Revenge of the Sith. And I'm not sure what the droid pack comes with at this moment, because as I was saying that, I was looking at them on the game, and apparently I picked the one level that won't let you pick a ship as part of your loadout. <laughs> so it just jumped me into the level. So if I figured that out, I will insert it as we discuss. Okay, so let me ask a question real quick. So um, now you were saying... Uh, you went with the PS3, or I'm sorry, the PS4 version, because with that you get what content again exclusively? Um, the Sony exclusive content is the Phantom Limb level pack, which won't be available till August, and okay. the Droid character pack, which is available now. Okay, so that's what you get with there. Now, you weren't you also saying that you went with Amazon for some sort of exclusive reason as well? Uh, no, I just went with Amazon and just... Ordered through there because of they have a, a discount and because of uh, Amazon Prime pricing. But pre-ordering anywhere is supposed to be what gets you the Empire Strikes Back character pack. But of course, it's too late to pre-order now. Right, right. Okay, I was just I was curious on that because um, I know through GameStop they apparently uh, were touting that you could get six exclusive missions only through them. Now, I've heard nothing with GameStop, but then again. Mm-hmm. I didn't look either. <laughs> right, right. I, I was like, so, oh, Amazon is going to give me like a, a percentage off and get it here on the day of. Sweet. Right. Sign me up. Right. And and where it's like I would hate to not be able to get those six missions. They're not exactly saying what they are. So 
Um, I don't know, but it, but essentially that is the cool thing because like going through Amazon, like you said, uh, we bought the the ultimate pack or, or the deluxe pack, which is supposed to be seventy dollars, but then we actually ended up getting it for sixty uh, with their little discount thing going on, and then you got the season pass with that, so it really comes out to being sort of a free season pass. Pretty much, yeah, and it's and it's sort of a free upgrade from regular to. Uh, to the deluxe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the, the thing I, w- I want to kind of uh, talk about, too, is a lot of the, the gameplay and game mechanics. Uh, the, the first thing that I noticed was that y- you start out on indoor, and you start to collect more. You start out with three characters immediately that you can bounce between. Um and then you pick up Wicket very quickly. Uh, you, you start with, of course, uh, Han, Chewie, and Leia. And then you pick up Wicket fairly quick, quickly. And then right before the end, you end up picking up R2-D2. Um, I thought, wow, I'm like, you know, five characters on the very first mission seems like a lot compared to before where, you know, you uh, the, the games that I remember is you might bounce between one or two uh, to start with, maybe. You just start with several, and it's designed so that as you go into the levels, it makes logical sense as to who you're playing with. It's not something where it's just sort of, we're going to shoehorn in these other characters, at least so far. We're going to shoehorn in these other characters that shouldn't be there in this scene because we need to give you more characters to play with. So, for instance, you know, on Jakku, uh, immediate, you know, when the, the, the First Order is coming after them on Jakku and they have to escape in the garbage and everything... <laughs> It makes sense that you're there with you're playing with BB-8 and Finn and Ray, you know. And when you play right. the story mode, you're playing as them. When you play free play, you can choose whoever. Um, but they seem to have done a pretty good job of variety there. They tend to have done a pretty good job of having you sort of have a team to play with each time. I've right. really rarely been in a situation up to this point where you're playing with even just one character. It's always a pair or more, which is is nice. You don't have to do you know you know replay to be able to play as a different character, you're always given an option of at least two, if not a ton more. I, I think the maximum I ran into was like, I played a scene with five or six. Yeah. And I like, uh, you know, a lot of the different things they're doing. For instance, it's not just that, oh, switch to this character because they're the one who can unlock this thing, you know, to where it's sort of generic, um, where you're like, oh, okay, I guess that kind of relates to him or whatever, so you have to, to choose him instead of her um, or whatever like that. But it's more of the actual playing that character through the world that they have a unique feel to them. For instance, mm-hmm. BB-8 is pretty quick. Um, if you're trying to do a lot of jumping and stuff, it's a lot harder with him because... He's a ball, you know, and so if you're trying to jump, it just it's not as solid as say like jumping with Poe. Um, and then uh, besides that, of course, he he runs around with his little zapper, which is which is funny, but it's also a lot slower, um, and it also isn't doesn't seem to be as powerful. So uh, you know, as far as like trying to do combat stuff, you really would rather use Poe. But a lot of times, I'll switch to BB-8 if I'm trying to move to the other side of the level fairly quickly or something like that. Yeah, the characters feel at least a little different. Um, their abilities do vary and get kind of mixed up. Now, of course, with 202 characters, you're going to wind up with a lot of overlapping abilities, and the character menu for free play does tell you what each one can do. But at least as far as the core characters that you're playing as, they all feel at least a tiny bit different. Uh, what I think is is probably the biggest change 
And this is something, uh, now I'm speaking as someone who played the other LEGO Star Wars games, who played LEGO Indie, and who has played LEGO Dimensions to an extent, but not like Lego Marvel and, or Batman or anything like that. So maybe this is something they've had before for those games that just hasn't appeared in Star Wars. But the mechanic that's standing out to me is that a lot of times you'll wind up with a stack of bricks you can use, and you don't just press a button and it automatically builds whatever you want so much as you have options. Mm-hmm. Like Correct. you have to, and at one point I had, I think, three or four different options for the exact same thing and not just, okay, well, I've got to hold down the circle button or whatever it is to build this, it's I got to choose what I'm going to build. And at least initially, it's well, this one will help you get like a collectible. The other one's actually useful. There are some puzzles right. where the order in which you build the things and yeah. then destroy it and rebuild it makes all the difference in getting past that puzzle. Yeah. For like a, an, um, a good example is where you're trying to mess with whatever the little uh, water tank thingamadoo is where you if you go and try to build it and work then you, you have the guy who's like no you got to fill it up with water first and you're like well crap let me uh tear it down and then build it over here you know it builds a totally different thing and then you uh it's like a water pump type deal you pump the water in and then you have to tear that down and go back and then uh move the tank over to the other side um i, I think it's i think it's really fun because it um the way the puzzles work, I don't think that it's a situation where it's too terribly uh, complex for kids, but also not just mind-numbingly easy for adults as well. I got to be honest, and I, I did figure it out. I'm sitting here playing around with the controller right now. The uh, I should have known. The droid ship that you get is the vulture droid Okay. in that, in that droid character pack. Uh -huh. um, so it's eight characters and one ship. But... I got to be honest, some of these puzzles annoy me. Oh, really? And I, and I ran into the same thing with, with like, I was playing Lego Dimensions, for instance, and then the main level I played was I really wanted to get in there and play the Doctor Who level pack. Okay. And while they give you some hints from time to time about what different abilities can do, there are pretty much zero hints for the puzzles. So if you have one where it's not obvious what to do, you could be just chilling there for like 20 or 30 minutes being like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Banging your head into it. Like I, like I did at one point in Lego Dimensions with Doctor Who. I have a live stream where I have like half an hour where eventually it's me cussing like, what the F am I doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. And in this one, like the puzzle that you were talking about where you're, you're building the thing to let the water go through, then moving the water over and then you putting it on this machine that then transforms and spews water, etc. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. It was trial and error, and I think I tried every possible combination of when to use each of the three things you can build until uh -huh. I finally hit the right one. <laughs> uh, there's one puzzle on the Aravana that's kind of the same way where it's just like there should be some guidance. And to make matters worse for anyone who watched the stream, I want to say – I forget what the exact line was. It was something like you should fill up the something, something with water before you can whatever. Yeah. But the guy was saying it every five seconds <laughs> or less uh -huh. while I was trying to figure out that puzzle. Somehow the the AI character's vo dialogue got in a loop and was just constantly saying the same thing to the point where I stopped trying to figure it out and tried to find him to bust him into bricks. Yeah, and, and, I, and I honestly think that that was sort of purposeful. I think they meant <sighs> to make that character annoying as uh, just sort of... Uh, an environmental type thing. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. it's it, overall, I will say the other thing that strikes me about the game or one of the other things that strikes me about the game is its presentation. Um, this is the first Star Wars Lego game, but not the first Lego game 
to have dialogue. And it's all recorded by the actual actors pretty much, uh, or the vast majority of it is the actual actors. And it, that gives you a propulsion to the story that the other ones didn't really have. The other ones felt like you were reliving the films and just kind of laughing about it. This feels more like you're playing something akin to the Lego Star Wars television series like Freemaker or Droid Tales or whatever. What I find interesting is that while the performances are really good, and these are not just lines pulled from the film, these are newly recorded versions of lines and things like that, um, it seems to be relatively faithful to the film. Um, the dialogue doesn't tend to divert that much, and the story doesn't tend to divert that much. Most of the jokes are like sight gags and things happening in the background or that they're doing as the dialogue is being delivered. So you could sort of see it as a faithful but funny retelling of The Force Awakens, uh, which I thought was interesting to, to give it voice acting, to have it be the actual actors, to have it really kind of tell the story, and to have it basically be the story. There are variances, but I would say this right. is more true to The Force Awakens than Disney Infinity's The Force Awakens set was. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Now, uh, to me, so far at least, the biggest um, change as far as the, the story that I noticed right off the bat, and it may have been for you as well, was the uh, FN-2187. How we'd know to um, mark him, essentially, uh, makes him different from all the other stormtroopers, of course, is the, the bloody handprint. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, and I, and I think that, I mean, maybe they're like, hey, we don't want to have blood in the game, but I feel like... It's less that and more of, well, how do you do that? Because, of course, they don't have your regular hands to put a handprint, so it would be kind of weird to put a handprint on... Well, I don't know. I don't think it was just the, the, the how do you do it, because there are other mm -hmm. parts of the, of the story... Uh -huh. Where someone should be hurt or die. Yeah. And, I, and there should be violence, and the violence isn't there. They've really toned down right, the violence right. from a movie that already wasn't overly violent. Right. Um, I mean, for instance, uh, a good example, Lor Senteca. Um, I, I would argue that uh, his death in, um, in the, the Lego version is much more horrific and terrible than what happened oh, yeah. to him in, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. in the movie. I'm just going but, to push you into space. Base. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Good luck when you learn out of oxygen and die. But speaking of, can I say, speaking of Lor Santeca, uh huh. There was a big push with this game about how this is a game that, unlike other Lego games, will give you new chapters in the Star Wars saga. Correct. We don't know how it's going to fit with canon or not, but presumably if it's showing up in here, there may be some canonical version similar to it. Like you're going to get a mission. To, to rescue Admiral Akbar, which is a mission that was mentioned in the Phantom Limb comic book, um, the C-3PO special that was delayed so much. Uh, mm -hmm. You're going to get to see a mission with Lor Santeca. You're going to get to be with Han hunting Wrath Tars. And that's all awesome, and it's in the game. But it's not immediately available. And it's not even available because you've reached a progression point. You have to get enough, like, certain brick types. Yeah. To unlock them. So like Lor Santeca requires 20 of these bricks. Um, the Rathtar's mission requires 30 of the bricks. I think the Poe mission is 10 bricks. And at this point, I've got like eight of them. So I have yet to get to play any of the new story content that I expected to be weaved into the story of The Force Awakens rather than 
just little one-offs that are like, like for instance, for the Rathtar thing, when you're on the Millennium Falcon, you can walk over to Han, there's this blue holographic-looking pile of bricks next to him that says, you got 8 out of 30 or whatever out of 30, you right. need to unlock this. And you step up to him and you say like, you know, you press the button on him, he's like, so you'd like to hear about chasing the Rathtars. And then <laughs> nothing happens because you don't have enough bricks. Click. So you'd like to hear about chasing the Rathtars. So you'd like to hear about chase and you can't do anything. <laughs> right, um, right. It's there and it sounds awesome. But for those who are expecting to be able to just dive in and see some of this new content immediately without having to do collectible fetch quests before you could, that's somewhat disappointing. True. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, I, I kind of like it because I, I like that you know, it, it adds more uh, replay value to the game, you know, because you, you go through and it's like, well, I'm just going to kind of get what I can get now. And then once I I can't, oh, hey, let me go back and look and see what I can hit at this point or that point. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm that I'm definitely going to do. I was I was fortunate. A buddy of mine, a sort of a friend of the show, a friend of the network, uh, Andrew Bettis, who is actually someone who was a Star Wars podcaster way back when with a show called Star Wars in the beginning, has been watching the streams and as I was building the Star Wars room, he sent us basically a housewarming gift, a little Amazon gift card thing. We were able to use that for one thing for the room, but also to pick up the guide. So I'm going to try to be a little more deliberate in the live streams that I do as far as trying to find things because there's tons of stuff to collect in this game. This is a, a straight up, I mean, this is a Lego game. There are collectibles of multiple types all over the freaking place, and you will not be able to get to them all until you play at least a second time through with free play to play with characters who have different abilities than when the ones that you've got. The yep. same type of mechanic that's existed since the original Lego Star Wars is heavily present here. Yeah. So it's, I mean, honestly, I want to uh, shut the show down and go play some more now. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving this game and I think what it is, and, and I'm, and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, trying to kick battlefront in the mailbox, but I just, it's a, a nice, fresh, um, you know, uh, escape, I guess, from doing this more repetitive task of, okay, you know, this is the objective. Let me go do the objective. Let me do the objective. Let me shoot these people. Let me shoot these people. It's And it's got a story. Know, it's right. a story of The Force Awakens, but it's got a story. It's familiar but different. So uh, it's just, it's one of those things where it's it's so fresh and enjoyable but it has a lot of familiar things that you, you're like, well, let's see how they handle this. And I'm I'm absolutely loving this game. I got a feeling that my enthusiasm will dampen when I get to the point where I'm like, gotta get 100%. Gotta get 100%. I got 100% on those <laughs> other ones. Gotta yeah. get 100% or something like that. Because yeah. that usually is really a slog in a Lego game. But for a first pass... And and just kind of playing it through, doing the let's play and having the interaction, at least with the live stream with the people who are in the chat, I'm finding it very enjoyable. Though for me, I'm sort of restricting myself because Battlefront, I'll play on the stream, I'll play off stream and keep working on the same contracts to get that progression in because why not? This, because I'm doing it as a let's play, I'm in a position where I'm not touching it if I'm not doing a live stream, which means that my progress is coming in sort of fits and starts on this one. Um, I don't think I'm going to burn out as quickly because I've got that interaction while I'm playing it, but, you know, Lego games can get 
know, they can get to that point where the replay this to go after this one collectible you missed can get really, really old. Um, I don't think it's going to get old as fast as Battlefront's repetitive nature did, but I think it's a matter of the type of content. I'm not sure that this being more having more enthusiasm and jumping into this now necessarily reflects particularly negatively on Battlefront so much as they are such different games and it's been such a different amount of time since they were released that it's just a it's just a nice change of pace for lack of a better term. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that's I think that's pretty much the term is it's just it's a it's a great change of pace right now uh and it's you know it's another one of those things too i'm i don't remember the last time that we got a lego star wars game uh but they they were that was you want to know i mean sure if you if you've got it right now oh he says that as if i get i'm not about to look it up (laughs) it was five years ago it was lego star wars 3 the clone wars back when they didn't talk yeah so it's just you know, it's one of those things where that's kind of a while, and especially for you know, for you and I, it's not that long ago. But you know, for um, younger people, that's uh, you know, a huge chunk of their life. You know, it's like, oh, I remember when that game came out when I was a kid. And it's like, what are you talking about? You are still a kid. Um, you know, but you're but- calling me old, Sonny, <laughs> just because five years isn't a short time. Oh, hell. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those situations where it's been a while and it's, it's refreshing that, hey, guess what? We're, we're getting new ones again because we have new content. It's not like they're saying, oh, we're doing a new uh, Star Wars game and it's really, we're just going back through and doing the original trilogy again. Um, here you go or whatever. We've sort of updated it. You know, we've got, we've got The Force Awakens to, to do it with. And mm. on top of that, like I said, it's got, uh, you know, there's actual talking in, in the game, which is great. Um, there's tons of new mechanics. For instance, the whole uh, almost, you know, I, I think of, this is the first game that I, I remember ever doing it, that whole uh, shoot over the barricade, Gears of War type thing that they do quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, they, it's, it's almost like a, like a time crisis thing. You, you mm-hmm. hit points where you go into cover and it becomes kind of like an on-rails shooter all of a sudden. Right, right. But but you can still kind of move uh, from, from barricade to barricade, like I said, a, a mm-hmm. lot like Gears of War. And that was, you know, I remember when Gears of War came out, that was a big part of uh, that game selling point that they're like, oh, this is really cool because most shooter games, you know, you have to run around and you can kind of get behind something, but then you have to get out. This one allows you to sort of shoot from cover. Um, I, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think, uh, I think yeah. there's so many mechanics that I would have never expected in a Lego game, and I've not, I've not hated the Star Wars Lego games in the past. Um, I, I think they're some of the better Lego games, but. Just all in all, they've never been as enjoyable as, as this one. I, I think this is probably the best Lego game that I've played, at least. Yeah, it's a very, very strong outing. I'm, I'm going to reserve my judgment on whether it's best or not, although I'm thinking it's, it's certainly angling that direction, until we see how it actually handles the full story and until I see sure. how it handles those, those new insertions of story bits. But yeah, it's certainly... Uh, it's it's a very robust game, it looks like. It's got some solid content for what we have. I think what'll be interesting, if we're talking about comparisons between this and Battlefront, I'm not sure that the like, something like, you know, well, how long did it take to get old is necessarily a fair comparison because of how different the content is. 
But I'm wondering if it might be a fair comparison to talk season passes at some point about (laughs) the cost of the season pass versus what you get in it. Because if what we're getting are newly designed levels, new characters, new mechanics, perhaps new modes or new whatever, there could be some comparison that could be made to the DLC packs that we're getting for Battlefront. And if the price of the deluxe edition that includes the season pass is any indication, um, Gonna be a pretty hefty price tag difference. Mm, yeah, yeah, and so I mean that's that's certainly something that we can uh, look at down the road a little bit and and just kind of uh, check out. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I'm I'm afraid that that's a point where we're like, oh, sorry, Battlefront, like it's you know, I, I mean, I'm 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 hoping that it it, it kind of. I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't know where to go with that. It's cer- it's certainly something I want to see, just because it's like, okay, I do want to see it, but at the same time, it's like I know that when I see it, I can't unsee it, and I'll I'll just be like, oh yeah, this is this is not as good as it should be, I guess. So, but yeah, like I said, oh, well, I I guess I should note here just something that I just ran into. I was looking up mm-hmm. to try to see what the season pass cost actually is separately, and okay. what I'm seeing is ten bucks, but it's it, I can't tell yet. Whether them saying $10 is, well, it's just what's added to make the deluxe edition, or if there's actually some places with a specific price for the season pass yet. Um, But I will note here that apparently um, there are other DLC packs that can be purchased individually for $3 that are supposed to be announced around this time if they're not out yet. Um, And at least according to GameSpot's report on it, and that Jedi pack i was talking about the jedi character pack right at least the way the original reporting early on is saying it looks like that is exclusive to the season pass okay so it's kind of like that one emote that you can get if you get the season pass for battlefront that you can't unlock any other way those eight jedi characters from the prequels are presumably specifically part of the season pass for what it's worth okay all right well um you know i i think that we've pretty much covered everything on the uh, the game that we can for right now, uh, certainly there's there's so much more that as we play through and as it comes out, we can we can cover it along the way. Um, I am still really curious about the whole uh, six missions that uh, the GameStop's claiming that we're supposed to, that we could play had we went through them. Uh, so if anybody knows about that reach out to us. Um, you can find us over at, uh, or you can just send us an email to cloudcitycasino at gmail.com uh, or, or shoot us a tweet over at Cloud City Casino. Uh, we have the Facebook page, of course, that you can uh, hit us up there. Um, you, you can message us individually. I'm at Morris Isley on uh, Twitter. So, um, Nate, where's, where's some places that people can find you? Well, uh, at SWFanWorks on Twitter, though honestly, I rarely do jump on there. It's usually just reposting from the Facebook pages. Easiest places to find me on social media would be to go on Facebook and go at Facebook.com slash either SWTimelineGold for the Star Wars Timeline Gold, SWBeyondFilms for Star Wars Beyond the Films, or of course course Cloud City Casino for this show. Um, I can be found on my YouTube channel, and that's probably the thing that's most relevant to, I guess, this discussion. So if you want to see some Let's Play videos playing through LEGO Star Wars The Force Awakens or quite a few live streams of Battlefront, including some that Michael has also been on, check out the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio, C-H-R-O-N-O radio, just run together as one word. I'm going to be doing some more of those streams 
coming up. So keep an eye on the channel if you're interested in participating and having a chance to chat with me or perhaps even me and Michael when he's available. Yes, uh, definitely. I, I mean, I try to pop into those as many as I can. Um, and hopefully, hopefully uh, here coming up really soon, we'll be able to, to pop on one. Uh, of course, you know, uh, we're also on the Star Wars Report dot com uh that's we're part of that network and uh you can always find our podcast there uh we're also on TuneIn, stitcher and itunes uh if you want to go ahead and subscribe there if you haven't already uh huge favor to ask you and it's not you know not much from you guys uh leave us a review you know just uh go on there you know give us a rating and leave us a review we haven't got one in a while. Would seriously appreciate it. Uh, I know there's some of you guys out there that listen that kind of reach out to us from time to time, and we certainly appreciate that. But take you know the like less than a minute and just go over there and and do that. It would mean a lot to both of us. Yeah, it would certainly make us feel better after that uh, Twitter poll that Michael <laughs> decided to put up. Uh, would you like us to put on an episode once a week? Thirty-eight percent. Every other week, fifteen percent. Once a month. 12%. Never again, 35%. Yeah. Wow. Wow. The douchery <laughs> is strong with someone. Well, you know, so here's the thing. It's, it's social media, though. I know. I, yeah. I, just, I saw that. I was like, wow. I mean, here's the thing. It's, you know, never ask a question you don't want to know the answer to. True. And, True. and, uh, and I, I'm assuming this is because Bruce is gone and I'm here, so my bad. <laughs> no, it's probably not that. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know what it is. It, I have to assume... Uh, for you know, recording purposes, that anyone who put that doesn't care for for the podcast. Uh, we've not really received any sort of uh, negative comments before, so uh, if they don't care, they only don't care enough to, I suppose, not listen and also click one thing on a Twitter poll. Uh, not quite enough yeah, to send I don't a, like a rant you. email. I'm going to follow you on Twitter. Yeah. So, but there's also the thing. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, we know you guys are scoundrels, and you you like to like to play around and stuff like that so it's likely that a percentage of that at least could be people who are just like hey this is funny and it kind of is so i can't i can't really blame them but <laughs> it, do it doesn't necessarily help me with the an idea of, of what i was trying to come up with but that's cool that's cool you know um no big deal and it, like you said uh, the majority of the people want us to do weekly i was considering maybe taking the show to uh to bi-weekly or monthly but I guess the people have spoken, and then slightly less number of people have spoken. So I guess we'll just uh, we'll go with that first half and ignore the second one. Hey, now you know, and anything that's going to add more work for Michael is a good thing. Yeah. Oh wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> well, I gotta get back to my Legos. Uh, thanks again, guys, and um, certainly appreciate it. Never forget. Let the Wookie win, even if he's made of Lego.
I mean, they even put out a Vita version. Virgin. Vita version? <laughs> <laughs> they even put out a PlayStation Vita version. Uh, <laughs> Woo! Oh, and it, it's it's okay because if you kill someone uh, in the name of George Lucas, then you get a whole bunch of them when you get to the to, to join the force. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they put <laughs> out on, a, on, a Vita Virgin. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry. Um, you're dealing with the choice between a regular virgin. No, nope, I didn't. <laughs> I was even trying to say virgin. Damn it! <laughs> you are. You, <laughs> For some reason, the je is just not coming out. I as know. A it's coming out. As a there is a uh, a regular edition. There you go. Um, I don't think editions can have anything to do with sex. Um, this party's over. 